Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tech Policy Grind. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm here with the lovely Lama Muhammad, and we're here to bring you some news in the world of tech policy before we get to the bulk of today's episode, which features Foundry Fellow Mary Bagdasarian in conversation with the winners of the Foundry's annual hackathon uh, policy competition. So, Lama, what's going on this week? How's it going with you? Hey, Rima. Thanks again for having me. It's been an interesting week between aggressively refreshing 538 to see for what I hope would be the end of the midterm election results, um, but we're still waiting anticipately. And between that and also making predictions with people at the office about what changes might happen to future cyber and tech legislation, just like anybody else would. What about you? What's going on? Life is good. Uh, I just saw maybe like five minutes ago that Karen Bass was elected mayor of LA. Uh, So I am personally, uh, you know, celebrating that. Oh, wait, she's the first elected woman. The first. Yeah. That's really exciting exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's my win of the day. Um, but yeah, let's dig into some news. So and, um, before we dive in, just a friendly reminder that the opinions, thoughts, and views expressed on this news segment do not reflect the institutions, organizations, and companies where we are affiliated with. We are simply two emerging voices in the field that are attempting to make sense of the grand tech policy world. Um, So, Rima, let's dive in. What is on top of your mind for this week? So it's been a big week for big tech and for crypto. Starting off with big tech, we have Google, Mm -hmm. uh, which has just settled with 40 different state uh, attorney generals for an amount of I believe just under 392 million mm-hmm. uh, over allegations that Google was tracking people through their devices after a location tracking setting had been turned off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really interesting to see here that this kind of mirrors uh, cases that are brought under the FTC in the context of deceptive practices. And that language isn't uh, explicitly used here um, in at least reporting on the settlement. But as a part of the deal, Google has committed to um, making changes to make their location tracking practices more transparent to users um, and more clear and understandable, uh, including potentially showing users um, information of what actually happens when they turn location tracking on or off. Right. And I think this idea of enhanced transparency could be a really big win for both Google and consumers because that establishes social responsibility between the user and the company. Yeah. And this is coming off the heels too of uh, a lawsuit that Google setting that Google settled uh, with 
authorities in Arizona for $85 million uh, stemming from similar location tracking uh, allegations. So it's, again, fascinating to see the the state-led approach here um, and how that might continue to evolve from both the state and potentially uh, federal response. 100%. So switching gears a little bit, I think it's important to acknowledge that we are only halfway through the month of November and pretty close to the holidays. And it's really sad to see how November is still showing a really sharp increase in the tech layoffs. So far, Amazon is gearing up to lay about 10,000 employees, which I think is the largest reduction um, to its headcount in the company's history, according to the New York Times. Meta has already laid off half of its 23,000 firings in November. And other companies that have cut off staff include Twitter, Salesforce, Stripe, Lyft, Redfin, Opendoor, and Zendesk. What are your thoughts on what this might mean for the economy, Rima, or just largely in general? Yeah, so there's been talk about a recession for right. quite some time now. And I think uh, especially in how well tech was doing throughout the pandemic, we're kind of seeing yeah. a bit of a bubble burst. Um, yeah. So time will tell if there will be sort of like recalibration uh, after these tech layoffs. And also it's interesting to think about um, to what extent these layoffs may have been affected or merely correlative with um, with Elon Musk's sort of mm. surprise mm. Uh, firing of half of Twitter's employees. I'm, you know, really feeling a lot of empathy and compassion for, um, for those tech workers who have been yeah. laid off. Great people across uh, lots of different departments from engineering to marketing to legal Uh, and so we're seeing a huge Mm -hmm. variety of people affected by this but i'm you know hoping uh for the the great people i know who have been affected by this that um they get the support they need that they manage to land somewhere fantastic um and that this this doesn't put too much of a damper uh, on the end of 2022 uh, and going into the holiday season yeah. for them. So sending yeah. out good vibes to everyone who's been affected by this. Um, it will, it will get better, but yeah, it's, it's really disheartening to see. Um, yeah. It's definitely super duper tough. Um, but yes, echoing Rima, sending the best of vibes. Um, the internet law and policy foundry has a phenomenal job board. We'll link it in the description. Um, please feel free to check it out and see if there are any opening rules. Um, we are also happy to look around and reach out to us if you need anything. And um, sort of following the cycle of layoffs, I think it's also interesting to see how crypto has also seen big cuts this year. And I'm curious to see how this could continue or even increase in the wake of the FTX mayhem, which is what we will discuss next. So this week, we saw the collapse of the crypto exchange FTX after a surge of sudden withdrawals. The exchange is led by a man named Sam 
Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF, one of the crypto industry's most well-regarded figures. Until very recently, people saw FTX as well off, especially because the company was able to reach a $32 billion valuation and even started discussing acquisition plans on its own just this last week. This collapse started this very week when FTX suddenly suspended consumer withdrawals and the CEO of Byance, which is FTX rival exchange, announced on Twitter that FTX had asked for help and a rescue deal had been breached. However, shortly following, the rival tweeted that the deal was completely off. Citing the results of corporate due diligence and news of reporting mishandling of customer funds at FTX. So really, the problems at FTX pretty much surfaced this week and last week, first starting with the report from Coindesk, which claimed to show the balance sheet of a sister company to FTX was choked up in billions of dollars in FTT crypto. And the issue with FTT crypto is that it cannot be readily turned back into cash. So if it's lost, it is lost. And not only that, but it's also been revealed that SBF, the CEO of FTX, has been using customer funds from the exchange to sort of plug into the losses of his, of his failing crypto empire. So the question really now is what consequences will be for the CEO? Rima, do you want to kind of give us some insight or thoughts about what this could look like from the legal point of view? Who's in trouble here? Who's in danger? Is anyone going to prison? It's very spicy. Yeah, my answer is I don't know the answer, but a lot of people <laughs> are talking about jail time. Um, and mm. a lot of people are just talking about the notion that a lot of people are going to lose a ton of money from this. Uh, I've heard stories mm. of people who have put their entire life savings uh, at right. FTX and um, Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a sad story. Scary stuff is happening. Scary stuff. Scary stuff indeed. But on the bright side, the foundry is yeah. still going strong. And now oh, we will turn it over to our fellow foundry fellow. You'll always love saying that. Fellow fellow. Uh Mary Mary Bagdasarian. Uh, who is going to chat with our winners from our latest policy hackathon. So hope you enjoy and we'll catch you next time. Today, I have the pleasure to interview representatives of three winning teams of Foundry's third annual policy hackathon. This year, the hackathon's theme was Trust, Safety, and Privacy in the Metaverse. The participants were tasked with pitching a proposal that will address some of privacy, trust, and safety challenges in the immersive technology space. Hi, Tom, Mana, and Raktima. First off, congrats on your impressive proposals in frames of the hackathon, and welcome to Tech Policy Grind. How are you today? Doing well, thank you. Thanks for having us. This is exciting. Hi, Mary. Thank you for having us. It's very exciting to be here and talk about this with all of you. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
Thank you all for joining. Uh, so before we discuss your proposals, we thought it would be interesting to our listeners uh, to have a sneak peek into uh, a post-hackathon experience and try to understand what it is like and how it was for you. Uh, so let's start with uh, Mana. Uh, we are curious to hear your impressions or reflections from the hackathon experience. Yeah, happy to speak about it. Um, so I've participated in smaller, uh, shorter hackathons before, but this was the first time that it was uh, it spanned over uh, a, a couple of days. And I think the biggest uh, takeaway for me was what a learning opportunity it was. I really felt myself deeply immersed in the whole experience, both in terms of the subject matter, but also in terms of, um, you know, working with folks uh, in, from different countries and different backgrounds and skill sets. And uh, I thought that was very, um, just like a really great, uh, fun experience. And uh, I think the biggest sort of takeaway for me was these subjects, are, they may be very technical, they may seem um, for people who are not working in this space, kind of like out of reach, but it just by the end of it, I remember reflecting that like it is so important that all of us feel like we have a place to, as in, in, in you know, a place in this dialogue and in these discussions because they affect all of us. And yeah, that would that would be my biggest um, kind of memorable moment of the post post uh, hackathon reflection. Thank you for sharing that, Mana. I agree <laughs> that it is always uh, great to, um, you know, for everyone to join and share their perspective because we're all impacted by these technologies and having everyone's um, you know views included is a crucial part of the process. Um, let's go next to Raktima. Uh, how was your experience? Um, maybe share more about your thought process uh, for your proposal um, and you know the research Hi. and whatnot. Hi, thanks. Hi. So um so unlike Mana, I had actually not participated in a policy hackathon or any kind of hackathon before. And by way of background, I am a privacy lawyer based out of India, and I'm just at Georgetown doing my LLM. And I think most hackathons tend to be sort of more focused on um, technical solutions. And I honestly have not had the opportunity to participate in something that actually gives you an opportunity to think about laws and policies and technical aspects in an intertwined manner. In that sense, as a lawyer, it was it was a very interesting um, experience for me. I definitely felt like, um, and I was working in a one-person team. I actually felt like, okay, uh, maybe having maybe having some engineers on board would have been interesting, etc. But I actually, eventually, once I got to the end of it, I realized that the world that we are moving towards it's increasingly not the kind of world where you know, you only have a specific category of people coming up with solutions. You definitely need all sorts of expertise. So I think that was my biggest takeaway. When I was thinking this through, I was not just thinking about what the actual solution would be, but also who would the stakeholders be? How would they interact with each other? What would their incentives be? And that is where um, the general experience of knowing how these global actors tend to interact as a lawyer came in very useful. So um, I think that way it was very exciting for me to think those things through. Thanks for sharing, Raktima. Uh, I agree that I think the world is becoming quite interdisciplinary 
and uh, we see that in uh, multiple discussions across the board. Uh, moving to Tom, uh, what was your experience like? Uh, was it intense? How was it to you know work with people and think about this newer you know types of issues? Yeah, thank you so much, um, Mary. Um, so basically, I'll start by saying that this is also my first um, hackathon experience. And um, being that it's on a topic that is still um, emerging, like the metaverse, and it was quite engaging, although it was tasking at the same time, uh, being a student. And um, I think we were all students in my team, and we're all Nigerians. And yeah, so it was quite a lot for us we had to work all night most of the times because we're engaged in academic activities but overall i would say um, it was a very wonderful experience for me i got to um delve deep into the metaverse um what the legal challenges are and and, and all of that so yeah kudos to the organizers of the event i um learned a lot actually thank you Thank you so much uh, for sharing. Uh, and it's interesting that we have, uh, you know, Amana who participated in uh, other hackathons before and uh, Tom and Raktima, uh, for you it was for the first time, uh, but we hope it was uh, an intense but also rewarding experience. So now I guess we will move to the main topic of uh, today's podcast, which is um, discussion around your proposals. So the topic of the metaverse and the issues in the metaverse um, is quite new and emerging and, you know, we don't really live in a metaverse. So thinking of these issues is crucial, but also challenging because we don't know what everything will look like. Um, so I, I'm really curious to hear um, your proposals and have you share it with our audience, because I think you uh, have, a, you give us a lot of food for thought uh, in this space. So. Let's start with um, Tom's team, who uh, ended up taking the third place in the Policy Hackathon competition. Um, so, Tom, uh, share with us what was your issue area and what solutions did you propose? All right. Thank you very much, Mary, once again. Um, um, like I said, the metaverse is quite an engaging topic to engage in. Um, so, so basically we were taxed with um, coming up with policy solutions as to um, address issues of privacy, trust and safety in the metaverse. But then we had to um, streamline our um, problem to the problem of anonymity in the metaverse. Um, users can um, perpetrate crime without being traced. So we addressed the issue of anonymity and to um, provide solutions for this, we um, proposed that um, Metaverse platforms carry out um, verification, KYCs on all their users, such that um, whatever crime that is perpetrated by these users would be addressed and um, tracked um, down. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I'm curious if uh, Raktiva Armana have any reflections or reactions to uh, Tom's team's proposal. Um, I thought it was really interesting how uh, all of us are 
had a chance to look at all of our proposals um the videos that you sent out uh, mary it's very interesting that all of us sort of picked some version of identity verification like my proposal was an age verification i think mine was an um child safety and all of us sort of picked this along proposals uh, very different solutions but uh, identified problems that are in a way very similar which is that we don't know who we are interacting with in um in the metaverse and as a result some groups of people are more at risk than others and then how do we address that particular issue so um yeah that's that's something that i thought was interesting and indicative of what our more prominent challenges are going to be going forward into the future yeah i mean as you already have the floor let's just right jump into uh, your proposal uh, especially i'm curious to hear your perspective as a privacy attorney yeah <laughs> so the challenge as a privacy attorney was of course that as much as i would love to say that you know um it, i mean my proposal was essentially about age verification and child safety in the metaverse and one of the and it was more about coming up with an industry protocol that allows information to be exchanged safely but also in a private way so i was hesitant to suggest anything that involves an individual sharing their id with a particular company for the purpose of making sure that people are who they say they are because there are certain pitfalls with that right i mean you the right to anonymity is something that we have often recognized as the cornerstone of free speech on the internet and when it comes to minor safety there is there are two two uh, sides to the story on one hand minors are, are subject to so much more invasive risks um within the metaverse that a lot of people would say okay i mean forget about anonymity it's so much more important to keep kids safe that we can just let go of that but at the same time i also remember being a child on the internet at one point of time growing up in a very conservative country in india and anonymity is also critical to the safety of children especially children who are you know queer children or children who belong to a religious minority background etc for them to thrive on the internet it's also important for them to have anonymity so with that as the background um this the, the, my solution sort of focused on how to identify when people you know maybe misrepresenting um their age and then move on to like it, collect a few signals from across activities of people and then increase people who have who who display contradictory signals to increase scrutiny about what their identification might be and it sort of draws on um certain things that are happening currently both in india and in the financial sector and also actual companies like instagram for example have partnered with a lot of companies that do this sort of age verification without um information being shared with that company so um in this proposal um i had sort of posed as an industry body that is proposing a solution with their membership and there is a third party which sort of is specialized in this kind of age verification stuff and um i suggested a certain protocol for data sharing that allows information to be shared across um different categories of companies based on activities and interactions that have taken place with those companies 
uh, without sharing actual identity card or information with any particular company. Um, so, of course, it's a big-ish proposal and it will be hard to summarize all of it here. But that was the general idea of it. I would say, though, that um, even while drafting this, I realized that there are like many issues with this. This is not an easy problem to solve at all. Um, I looked into some, you know, uh, uh, zero knowledge proof and those kinds of concepts that are that are being successfully used in different contexts, um, even in India. But uh, none of them are absolute solutions to the kind of problems that we are facing. And that is something that I just want to highlight as something that I'm very aware of. And going forward, we need to keep that in mind that this is something that can only we just need a lot more work done in this area for this to work. We definitely did not give any of you very easy issues. Uh, and um, I'm really impressed that uh, we had so many great proposals and um, the three proposals that we are discussing today um, were uh, the best of the best. Um, so finally, we go to Mana's team, uh, who ended up being the winner of this year's policy hackathon. So Mana, uh, walk us through your um, proposal and your thought process. Yeah, I uh, would be happy to. Uh, so I guess a little bit of uh, context or chronological history of how the weekend unfolded for us. Um, the team comprised of a uh, pretty diverse background. Like I mentioned earlier, we had policy folks, we had uh, members who were very familiar with like international advocacy issues. And uh, also one of our members is a part of a uh, works for a gaming company. So with this like diverse background, it was interesting that Quite early on, I would say within the first few hours of the hackathon, we all de decided and agreed that we wanted to focus on some sort of a proposal that would uh, improve the well-being and safety of youth and minors on the internet. Uh, but that was the easy part, and everything that followed was sort of uh, the the interesting the interesting components of the challenge. So um, we initially had decided that what we take kind of like a more hard tool approach. We would maybe uh, require by law that companies come up with some sort of a safe uh, safety guidelines uh, uh, tool or best practices by a certain date. And there would be kind of like, uh, you know, uh, they'd be ha held accountable through that approach. But halfway through, we got feedback on our proposals and we decided that maybe we wanted to think about this issue in a different way than usually these topics have been approached to date and maybe think a little bit more about what work is already being done in this space and where the gaps are and how our policy or our proposal could help to fill those gaps. With that, we landed on taking a little bit more of a grassroots approach because we decided that, you know, to date, both with regards to issues at the metaverse, but also other technological um, innovations, it, it tends to be, you know, the companies, the experts, the uh, lawmakers and policymakers who are at the forefront of these conversations. But what really is often missing is the perspectives and voices of the people who are directly impacted by these issues. Given that we wanted to focus on children and minors, we decided to target our proposal to the parents because they're the ones who play such an integral role at protecting and um, educating their uh, them on best practices and safe practices online. 
So our proposed approach was two-pronged. The first was to develop a guidelines on best practices for minors and parents to inform them about safe participation in the metaverse. And then there would be different components or sections to this guidelines from physical safety to just education and, um, you know, informative discussions, uh, cybersecurity uh, and whatnot. And then the second part would be a little bit more about, okay, now we kind of have this information here. How do we make sure that the right people are thinking about this? Are they aware of this? And they're basically motivated to um, include themselves in these conversations. So that second part was to partner with a uh, some sort of an existing initiative or organization, such as the XR Child Safety Initiative, to develop community workshops and educational campaigns to increase knowledge and uh, motivate parents to get involved in the decision making around uh, their the future of the metaverse and how their minors are participating in this realm. Uh, I guess it will leak a little bit more detail on the uh, the initiative or the community workshops and educational campaigns would be that these uh, would be in partnership with civic organizations all across the states. Um, and they would involve some sort of a kind of educational half of the, uh, the sort of facilitation um, workshops, but also uh, make sure we're leaving room for genuine participatory uh, involvement um, and discussions as to how they, how the participants believe um, the, the guidelines should evolve over the years. Um, and yeah, that was sort of how we thought about this. We wanted it to be uh, a, a grassroots, you know, way of thinking about this, but we also wanted to be a living, kind of evolving solution like others have mentioned already we acknowledge that this is a massive uh subject and uh, there's different ways to improve safety online um and we it also will change you know uh, evolve constantly it's not going to be set in stone so um, we thought that kind of two-way feedback mechanism would help address that concern thank you mana uh i love the multi-stakeholder approach in your proposal that you thought about all potential um, groups that need to be consulted or um, groups that you need to cooperate with, including the rights holders, which as we all know are most of the times uh, forgotten in this process. Uh, but I think it's an ingenious idea to uh, have the parents involved in the process directly. Um, so I, any reactions to the proposals from other teams? Um, would love to hear uh, thoughts. I know that you all um, heard this during the presentations, uh, but I'm curious if you have any further thoughts um, about these uh, proposals. I really appreciated uh, what Rakton was mentioning about the importance of context in thinking through these problems, I think that definitely is something that came up for our group, whether it's the context of how different countries and, you know, given their unique political, socioeconomic kind of landscape, um, experience these issues, or maybe it's different communities, um, you know, the LGBTQ community, different diverse uh, uh, groups within the same local landscape, you know, how they might meet uh, different catered um, solutions basically 
uh, when it comes to these getting involved in this conversation. I think that's really important and kind of speaks to what we were mentioning earlier about learning. Um, I think Tom mentioned this, like learning about from previous experiences uh, at the at this um, at the realm of like technology and how it's impacting society. So, yeah, just wanted to really emphasize that. Yeah, and uh, I thought, Mana, your proposal was also very cool. And of course, congratulations on on uh, you know being the winning proposal. The the, the interesting thing that I thought about um, your proposal, and that's something that I was also trying to think through a lot, is that um, we can always think of um, ways that would work if everyone, you know, was definitely operating in good faith. Um, but the challenge of knowing that a lot of people sometimes do not necessarily operate, a lot of players and stakeholders do not necessarily operate 100% in good faith and still sort of finding a way of incentivizing everyone to do what we were sort of proposing to do. Um, that is something that I thought was really interesting and that we all thought of different kinds of partnerships where competing goals and interests would keep people in check and keep the engine rolling on the proposals that we wanted, um, which I thought was uh, very sort of a timely uh, approach. I cannot agree more. Um, all issues that you raised in your proposals are, you know, issues that the whole world is trying to come up um, with solutions for. And I think your proposals are definitely further food for thought uh, and you definitely put a lot of effort and um, good um, you know intentions in your uh, proposals um, so I'm really um, curious to see where we will go in this space um, and talking about this you know emerging space uh, I would love to hear your perspective on let's say the broader bigger future in the metaverse um, so I think the question is, uh, if you had a magic wand, how would you want the future in the metaverse um, to be? Um, are there any specific characteristics that you would love it to have or, you know, some safeguards or whatnot? So I will um, give the floor to Tom to start us off. Um, um, so, um, yeah, so if I had a magic wand, um, I would, um, I would propose that, um, we have a space where, uh, anyone and anyone, anyone, I mean, if I, I, anyone, both, um, the younger generation would be able to assess and still be safe, right? So I, I, I propose that the, there should be a collective approach to, the development of the metaverse like it should not it should not just be restricted to the tech guys or the tech bros and taxis or these metaverse platforms the government should be heavily involved in terms of um um providing policy guidelines as what we are um doing now and also um like get everybody involved with the government the private sector the public sector hear people's views as regards um every aspect of the development of the metaverse so with with that we'll definitely have a safe space because if we allow the metaverse to run on its own and we we allow it to be 
decided by the tech guys or the tech bros and tech sis would definitely be having a one-sided um space right the government should be heavily involved in the matter like in terms of providing regulations and of course tracking each feature that is being developed to um, be utilized in the metaverse thank you thank you tom i think multi-stakeholder approach is uh, crucial for any process including the metaverse uh let's go to reftima next yeah i think when i think of a magic wand the first thing that comes to my mind is well uh, i used to be really into isaac asimov when i was um, a teenager and i there's this the first book that i read by him is called the, the naked sun which um, which is a book that has somehow stayed with me it's this situation where um, in sometime into the future where people just like practicing practice physical distancing much much before the pandemic happened by the way um and they interact with each other largely through something that is similar to the metaverse which is like hyper realistic uh sensory experiences where you can take a walk with somebody without that person actually being next to you and i have always been like completely obsessed with that idea obviously that obsession grew during the pandemic when physical distancing was an actual thing that we all had to practice and now that i'm far away from home like i'm in dc and my family is in india i find myself going back to like returning to that idea so it's it's an idea that i definitely find fascinating that our interactions will be so immersive that distance will not feel the way it does today um but obviously as a lawyer policy maker the the way to do that while ensuring that everybody is also safe and comfortable is is just seems like more of a challenge than it really should be but hopefully you know with all of us working together we will be able to make our way to a future where that is the first thing that comes to our mind when we think of metaverse instead of all of the stuff that's currently in the news which is obviously not very encouraging so yeah here's to hoping for a you know more positive and fun future because i think i'm still one of those people who believes in the early 90s promise of the internet which was all like you know this is going to change the world and we are all going to get connected and amazing things are going to happen so yeah i still kind of feel that way about everything including the metaverse thanks your team i love your enthusiasm and optimism and let's hope that will be the future we will have and finally let's go to mana i think when i think about a magic wand uh and how i would use it for this space is um to get this subject a little bit like demystified for everybody uh involved i think um you know i kind of want to take it back to like a basic simple technological evolution like um that i mentioned the car for example so i think there's this sort of widespread understanding that there's like safe ways to operate a car and uh if you do that it can unlock a lot of opportunities for you you can go really far with it you can travel with long distances so i you know completely appreciate especially after this hackathon experience the complexity of the issues that exist in the space but i also would like for it to be a little bit more approachable to all people um so that uh we can kind of create that safe foundation and unlock the positive potentials um of what this could mean for our society. Thank you so much. I hope our listeners will get inspired from your 
um, you know, vision and proposals, um, and also that will give them further food for thought for and um, probably uh, motivation to act in this space as well. Uh, and to close us off, um, I would love for you to share, um, you know, a piece of advice for future participants of, um, um, you know, foundries or any other policy hackathon. Um, the team at the foundry is already um, starting the planning for next year's policy hackathon. And uh, we would love to hear your um, advice to, you know, future participants. Uh, let's start with uh, Mana. I think the um, I have a couple of different thoughts to that. So the first thing would be to prepare in advance as much as you can about uh, the subject matter and just get a familiarity of the issues and the organizations and the initiatives that already are doing work in this space so that your proposal could build off of that. The other piece is that the working across really different uh, time zones can be a bit of a challenge. So thinking through that in advance, maybe with the organizers is also another, uh, you know, kind of set you up for success. And lastly, it's, uh, you know, kind of meant to be a challenging experience. So think and have fun with it, be experimental. The reality is it's not common to be able to, um, you know, in the workplace, for example, to get, think so widely and so openly about these issues. So just really, you know, enjoy the process. Thank you so much, Vanna. My It reminded me of um, my favorite expression, which is lean into discomfort. I feel like this policy hackathon experience is definitely um, a chosen discomfort that people will enjoy more if they lean into it. Uh, next, let's go to Tom. Yeah, thank you very much, Mary. So um, one um, advice for your yeah, next year's participants would be um, to be able to keep pace with um, the emerging trends out there, right? Like we know that the metaverse just recently um, um, got um, more persons got to know about, about the metaverse this year, especially in Africa as it is. And then it's very important that everyone around the world, if you want to participate in a, a yeah, something like this, you should be well-versed with the, the trends and the, the recent issues. Thank you, Tom. Definitely prepare, prepare, prepare um, before the hackathon. That will be super helpful, as Mana also mentioned. And last but not least, Arctima, what's your uh, piece of advice for future participants? Yeah, um, so my piece of advice would just be expanding on what you said, Mary, lean into discomfort, but also uncertainty. That is something that I would say, because um, in like my experience of the hackathon, certain things um, went very differently from how I was expecting. And the only reason I was able to sort of bounce back from that and still submit a proposal um, on time that that worked is because I was sort of open to the idea that things may go very, very differently from how you have planned, but you just need to quickly come up with a new plan and just bounce back. And this is not really hackathon like hackathon advice as much as it's also life advice that whenever you're working on a project together, even in the workplace, for example, when you're working with like three people, um, sometimes people are forced to drop off because of something that happened in their family or you may fall sick or, you know, like a lot of things happen that 
maybe you weren't completely expecting or you're working with say a government deadline that suddenly gets pushed and the government wants to sort of at least that happens when you work with governments a lot that they suddenly want to see you on monday and it's already like a saturday so i think just being um prepared for things to sort of change at the last moment and just bounce back and think of a new plan and not lose hope because things are not going exactly the way you had anticipated in your head that would be my biggest um advice for anyone who's participating in a policy hackathon and also because i have been in these situations in sort of real life where we were helping companies like you know come up with solutions to stuff like this on short notice it also serves you really well when you are doing like the real life version of what we were trying to do in the policy hackathon so yeah that would be my my uh, concluding thought just like lean into uncertainty so adaptability and resilience added to the list thank you so much yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah thank you so much um to all three of you and all your teams and all the participants of the policy hackathon uh i'm i'm really inspired by your vision for the future um and i hope um you we will see your proposals implemented in um in life uh and um you know they will be taken into account uh when people are designing the future of the metaverse Um thank you so much for your time and for all our listeners uh stay tuned for the next edition of Foundries Policy Hackathon and in the meantime have a great day Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tech Policy Grind podcast If you enjoyed the show make sure to give us a 5 star rating wherever you're listening I'm Rima Musa and I'm the producer, editor and host of the show and want to give a huge shout out and thank you to our whole team at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry for making this podcast come to life. Especially Lama Muhammad, our social coordinator and Allison McReynolds, our accessibility coordinator. <laughs>